wonderful Baruch Hashem. Okay. So we were learning that the Hashem and the Torah are one because the Torah is the wisdom and will of Hashem, which is one with His glorious essence. And in order to understand that, was right, we, we quoted the Holy Rambam, right? That, say Holy Rambam? No, I didn't say Holy Rambam. I just mixed the words together. As the Rambam says, the knower and the knowledge. The Hashem is the knower and the knowledge. And we spent the last class discussing this idea of knower and knowledge. But this is two classes ago. And then we discussed the idea of essence. So just quickly review. The knower is the part of us which is shaped, Right? And the knowledge is the part of us that does the shaping. the shaping. Now, what part of us does the shaping? Our intellect, our seichel. What part of us is being shaped? Our intellect, our seichel. So the seichel is shaping itself, right? It's not like a carpenter shaping the wood, right? So in that sense, even in a person, we can say to some degree the knower and the knowledge are one, but they're not totally one. Why are they not totally one? Why are we, why is, why is, in no, a, the potential. right, 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 because the intellect has the potential to be shaped, the potential to shape itself, but it is as yet unshaped, right, right, whereas with Hashem, we're saying that it's not that there's, when we say Hashem is the knower and the knowledge, we mean to say that for Hashem, there isn't, there isn't two things coming together, not even in the way of potential being actualized, but it's intrinsically, inherently, one, right? So that what we might describe, we might describe Hashem as the knower, we might describe Hashem as the knowledge, but we're actually just using two different words to refer to the exact same thing, right? Like I gave the analogy of the morning star and the evening star, in fact, the same entity, which just relate to it differently. Good? Okay. And then we talked about essence, okay? Or in Hebrew, etzem. What is, what is a non-fancy word for etzem? Self. Self. Okay. Please describe the self. You can't, right? Why? Because it's a thing that's undescribable. That's just saying you can't describe it because you can't describe it. Why can't you describe it? Because all the other things that we picture as that, but it's not necessarily. Describing means it's similar? Describing means it's similar to something else. But that was the tangent we got onto. Describing means it's similar to something else. And if it's what, whatever about me is similar to you, and we could actually even go a little bit deeper, which I want to talk about. But for, even about which me is... Self? One second. Let me just finish this. One second. What's about me that's similar to you, and even what about me that is dissimilar to you, is not myself. Even what was the second Even the things about me that are dissimilar. But there's still a description. Right. In other words, we could say you're a woman and I'm a man, right? right. Okay, but, but, but what I'm saying is we're, 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 right, we're defining still it's in terms of something else. Dissimilar still in terms of something else. Right? So whether we say, right, so if you say that I'm smart and that person is dumb or that person is strong and I'm weak, right? This person is, it doesn't, even if we, even if we say I'm, I'm unlike the other, but I'm unlike in some characteristic that they are the opposite of, they are the inverse of, they're the absence of whatever it is, we're still defining my, what I am in terms of what they are. And that's not self, because self is intrinsic. Self is, as the English is, of the self, or as Hebrew, it's atzmi. Okay? So that means the self, by definition, can't be described. Okay? Right. 
Um, and we then went off into a tangent that the thing that we call ourselves, right? In, in Hasidus, we use a different word for that. That's not our etzem. What do we call that in Hebrew? No, the thing that we call our, the thing that we think we are. Oh, you're talking about that? Yeshus, right. Yeshus from the word yesh, there is, right? In our mind, there's this thing that we think we are, like, look, in our minds, there's me, right? Right? And, 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 and that thing, we conflate with ourselves, our, it covers over ourselves, right? It's a barrier to ourselves. Then we got into whole tangible chassidus, is about revealing the etzem. Yeah, okay, good. So now, what we need to do is we need to talk about what is, it, what is wisdom and what is will, and to ask ourselves, does it make sense that the essence could be wisdom and will. Because remember, the, the principle I want us to take from the Rambam is like this. That when we use the word the knower and the word the knowledge, we're referring to what is in some sense the same thing in a person, but in some sense different. Right? It's both referring to the intellect, but one is referring to its capacity to be shaped and the other is referring to its capacity to shape. With Hashem, when we say knower and knowledge, it's not referring to two different things. Right? Which is... The, 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 the profundity of what it is to be God, blah, 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 right? But the idea is that what I'm saying is what you are referring to is by two different words because in your mind they're two different concepts or only two different things in your, as it applies to you, but by Hashem they're actually the same thing. Not the idea of taking two things which are actually separate and gluing them together. Is that the Rambam's Yeratzai today? It is the Rambam's Yeratzai today. Okay. So, would marriage be a good analogy... Actually, this is actually a good thing. Let's just go off this for a second. Is marriage a good analogy for the kind of unity we're talking about? No. No. Right. Okay. So I'm just throw this out here. Yeah. Um, it says that a man will leave his father and mother, attach himself to his wife, and they will become one. So um, does that does that mean like literally one? No. It does actually mean literally one. But it's not referring to the husband and wife, it's referring to the children. Okay. Yeah, if you, if you look in Rashi, the attaching yourself to, to his wife is referring to the relationship between the husband and the wife. The becoming one is not actually happening in their person because at the end of the day, that's not true one. True one is, you know, you're one person, right? But, so there's something of the father and something of the mother. Okay, so what we're saying is, but even that wouldn't be good enough because that's still something fusing into one, right? Mm-hmm. Even in the parent. With, with Hashem, we're saying it is literally the same thing. It's just referred to by different names because you can approach Hashem from this angle, from that angle, and so you start conceiving of him differently as, a, as someone who knows or as the source of the knowledge. But really, it's the same Hashem. Good? Okay. So now, let's talk about what wisdom is and what will is. And let's ask ourselves, does it make sense to say that the self is the wisdom or is the will? That those are just different ways of talking about the same thing. So we're going to start... Well, actually, we're going to start with wisdom, because will is a little bit trickier. Okay. So in, in, in Hebrew, this is chachma, but we're going to talk about wisdom. Okay. So what is the wisdom? We're going to start with a person. What is, what is, when we speak about someone having wisdom, what does that mean? What do they have? Right? I have a pet or a marker, right? I have a marker. We know what a marker is, right? Um, I don't have a yacht. Right? We know what a yacht is, right? Some people have wisdom and some people don't, right? Okay. Well, what is this thing called wisdom that some people have and some people don't? And maybe it's not so black and white. Maybe you can have more of it and less of it. Maybe it comes to different flavors. But what is it? A mix of knowledge and experience. A mix of knowledge and experience. I feel like some people could have wisdom but not have experience. 
I would actually argue, and this is very important, that that there's wisdom that comes from experience, like like our sages say, "Ein chacham kabbal nesayin." There's a kind of wisdom that that experience. I don't know off the top of my head. We're gonna get there. There's a there's a kind of wisdom that comes from experience, but there's also a kind of wisdom that doesn't come from experience. Like if you take two children, yeah, some children are wiser than others. Inborn, yeah. So that's what I want. So I want to I want to talk about what. So let, let's talk about first off. Let's, let's narrow it down, okay? Wisdom is clearly not a physical attribute, right? It's not a physical skill, okay? It's something mental, right? Now, if we had to divide it between something which is more emotional or something which is more intellectual or cognitive, we would probably go into more intellectual cognitive, right? Right. Okay. However, being wise is not the same thing as being smart in the sense of like intelligent, is it? No. No. Okay, let's go. So let's wise try. Wise is more emotional. Right. Wise has some kind of relationship to emotion that intelligence doesn't automatically imply, right? That we say this is a wise person, right? Although it's an intellect, it's something of the sake, it's an intellectual quality, right? There's an understanding that if you're wise, that should be reflected in emotion. Whereas intelligence, we don't automatically assume is reflected in emotion. It may or may not be, right? Some people are very, very brilliant. They're very intelligent. They're very smart. And they're just, they're, they're, when it comes to their emotions, they're like, you know. They're not like Okay, so that's a good wisdom. Wisdom is a kind of sight. You have Corona. But I have a plastic shield. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. This is very good. Wisdom is a kind of sight. Wisdom is a kind of sight. It's not emotional intelligence. No, it's not emotional intelligence. Although, if a person is so, so I'm going to give you a, a physical analogy working off of sight. Okay. And then we're going to go back because it's hard to talk about these kinds of things without analogies, okay? Um, If you can see, right, then there are many things in life that you just are a given, right? Like that's the door. This is a safer. My coffee is here, right? Right. Mm -hmm. God forbid a person can't see. All those things become matters of inquiry, right? You have to figure that out. God forbid, you know, a person, a person uh, goes blind or the lights go out, right? All of a sudden, things which are obviously the case no longer are obviously the case. Doesn't, they don't, it's not they're no longer true, but it's not that you can't figure it out. But now you have to actually put some kind of effort into figuring things out, ascertaining things, right? The room for error is much greater, Right? Right? And, and, and if you don't actively engage, right? If you're sitting in a room and the room is dark or God forbid you're blind, right? You don't know what's in the room. You have to go out and feel around in the room, right? Whereas if you can see, it's fairly obvious what's in the room, right? Okay. So now... So... Sometimes now we're gonna we're gonna move we're gonna move we're gonna move from from that example to to a, a very specific kind of example of wisdom. Sometimes you have a problem, and you ask somebody else for advice, 
And they are less qualified to actually deal with the problem than you are. They, they, they for instance, you have a business problem and they don't have a business, they've never run a business. They never went to business school. Um, you have a, you have a, you know, you, you might be um, having a parenting issue, right? And, and, and you've studied a lot of parenting books and you've read a lot of things and, and, and they, they, you know, they, they, they grew up in the shtetl, right? They know if parenting is, you know, what they saw back before, you know, back before anybody had an idea that parenting has to have a philosophy and ideas and you study and understand it, right? Where, you get what I'm saying? Like you ask people some question where, where in terms of being informed, in terms of understanding, arguably you know more than they do. Right. So why would you ask such a person? Objective? Because like not in your situation? Okay, but for that you just ask any random person. We don't seem to do that. We tend to think that certain people... See a different... Yeah, you notice the verb you just used. What? What verb did you use? You used the word verb to see. They see it differently. There's some people that they're able to see things that the rest of us don't see, right? And so a person who is a chacham, a person who is a wise person, right, they have a way of seeing things. That certain things which are not obvious to the rest of us are obvious to them. Okay? Not obvious in the way of I understand it. Right? Obvious in the way of like, like when you see things in the world, it's obviously there, but it's real, right? So like if we're sitting and learning Tanya and I notice something in the text and you don't understand, it's obviously something. That's not what I'm talking about because that's like in learning, it's in analyzing a text. But there's someone who's like, like someone comes to, someone comes to a person um, with a problem and the wise person says, well, that, I mean, that's not your problem at all. Your problem is something else entirely. Well, how do you know? I mean, you can just see that that's clearly, clearly not what your problem, your problem is something else entirely. Right? Okay. Um, and, and, and often the wise person, um, you know, doesn't really feel like this is like a big deal. Right? There's another thing that's different from being smart. People that are smart and know stuff that other people don't know, the tendency of being intelligent is to create, make a person more arrogant. The tendency of wisdom is to make a person humbler. Why would that be? Really? Yeah. Well, because they see life like in a, in a different way. Like they're not. Like because they're so wise, they're looking at life in a way that they should look at life rather than looking at a. Okay, but, but what about life do they see that makes them more humble? I think they see people from outside view. They, they understand. They understand. Like that. They understand people, they see people, they they feel, they they come like they compassionate, they more so that's empathetic, that's a different thing. A wise person is not necessarily compassionate. Although wisdom can lead to compassion, but sometimes wisdom cannot lead to compassion. Wisdom can lead to very harsh judgment. They're intuitive. You mean because they see it's not because of them? Right, because if they're seeing the way things actually are, they also see that like they're not the only person in the world. They're not the center of the world, right? They're not the smartest person in the world, right? Most of us don't actually see that. We, we, I mean, we're not so foolish that we, 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 as a matter of like principle, we actually think that really we are the center of the universe. But in terms of our actual experience of life, we do experience life as if we're the center. A wiser person sees things for what they are, and so they, they see things for what they are. Like, yeah, like, okay, you know, some people are born this, some people are born this, right? It's like, you know, they, 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 they can find themselves more humorous because like they, they see things 
for what they are, and therefore nothing is, nothing is such a big deal, which also leads to other symptoms of wisdom, such as patience. Okay? By the way, intelligence, doesn't, being really smart, does that tend to make people more patient or less patient? Less, in your patient. less patient. Right? It's very interesting, right? That the more you think about this difference between what we're calling Hebrew chachm and bina, wisdom and intelligence, is that even though they're both aspects of the seichel, they're very opposite in nature. Okay? Does a wise person feel the need to be right? No. 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 Does an intelligent person often feel the need to be right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Right now, is that because a wise person doesn't think that there's something is true and false, right and wrong? No. Their whatever doesn't matter. No, they like you know like it's like it's okay if I'm not right. It's okay, I'm not right, because like, why, why, where would that ridiculous expectation that I would be right all the time, right? Yeah. That, that, that does, like, can you see what a person is? If you see what a person is, there's, where would the expectation be that you should be right all the time, right? Okay. Which leads me to another thing. Does a wise person always assume that things are so simple? No. Okay, and this, is, this goes hand in hand. Does a wise person always assume that things are so complicated? No. No, now I want to explain to you what I mean. Okay. A wise person realize, a wise person they see that that things have nuance, things have complexity, things are not so black and white. Yeah? But they also see that a lot of times people are making a big complicated sturm, a big complicated mess about what's really just something very simple. Okay? Let's give you an example, okay? Let's what's the difference between the way a wise person deals with matters of immuna? and a intelligent person deals with matters of Muna. Someone comes to an intelligent person and says, I'm not sure that God exists. What is the person who's really intelligent, they're really smart, what do they, what do they feel immediately the urge to, assuming that they're a believer? Defend. Prove, defend, to argue, to justify, right? right? We have to build this whole edifice of, 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 of intellectual, argument in order to show that the truth lies on the side of the believer, right? What does the wise person feel the need to do? That's already getting, uh, we're just on the, on the, that's already getting to a level of interpersonal empathy. That, that's a step down before that. This person's like, I'm not sure I believe. I'm not sure God is real. So, 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 uh, and the person's thinking, okay, well, this is just a very simple issue, right? The person doesn't feel God is real, right? That, that, that's, that's what it is. And any, anything else is just going to complicate the issue unnecessarily, right? In other words, a person that actually has a sense that God is real, God cares, God is with them, God gives meaning, whatever it is, right? Does all the intellectual arguments in the world that create skepticism really, really bother them? No. And someone who lacks that, do all those intellectual arguments to prove and to show that it makes sense without a God, do that really give them the, the, the conviction to live a life in devotion to God? Also no. So like, it's not like, this is a very simple problem, is that there's a person who, 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 who feel, who, who, doesn't, who, doesn't, who doesn't sense the presence of God. Okay, that's an issue. 
But that's the issue. Let's deal with that. Like, don't don't give me arguments here and arguments there. And like, that's it. That's, that's all it is, right? Don't don't make it so complicated, right? All your philosophy books proving or anti-proving. It's not gonna. Like, it's all very nice. You can write like a thesis on it, but like, that's the issue. Is people walk around feeling, right? It's like it's like, you know, a, a wise person realizes that when a person when a person is unmotivated, the problem is that they're unmotivated. That, that's it. There isn't, there isn't a complicated, okay, now, how do you deal with them being unmotivated? Okay, that's an interesting thing, but we'll talk about that. I mean, not now, but, but so the, 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 the intelligent, the, the smart, what it tries to do often is tries to take something which is very simple because there's not a lot for the intellect to do, the, 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 the understanding smart part of a person to do when, there's not, when, it's, when the issue is very simple. Right? Like, I'll give you just an example. Like, if you take a, if you take an advanced math class, you really have to use your 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 intelligence, right? Okay. But you don't have to use your intelligence, you know, to realize that you're in that same way to realize that you know getting along with your parents is an important part of life. Okay, so what happens? You, the intelligent person wants to use that tool to solve this problem. It doesn't work, so you make it more complicated than it needs to be. Right? Now, the wise person with their wisdom, they can't necessarily like, engineer a building. Right? <laughs> they do need to learn something. Right? You do need to, I'm not saying intelligence is meaningless. But wisdom, wisdom is so I can see things for what they are. I see the truth of it. And it resonates as obviously true to me that this is the way it is. And so if it is really complicated and nuanced and subtle, okay, but that is also not a big deal. And if it's simple, so it's simple, right? The, the, the intelligence has a way of complicating what isn't, what, it, what isn't really so complicated. And then when you're convinced that your conclusion is right, you oversimplify it and realize that, you know, it's not so simple as other views, as other arguments, as other perspectives. There's a rigidity, in other words, to intelligence that doesn't exist in wisdom. Does this make sense? So the Rambam says something very interesting. The Rambam says that a chacham is 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 nicker, is is is, uh, is discernible. You can tell someone's a chacham how by how they eat, by how they walk, by how they dress. Now, what does that mean? Like you go to chachma school and you learn how to act like a chacham. Why is it important to eat? Keep yourself alive. Lipid levels, right? It's important to eat, to keep yourself alive, to keep yourself functional, keep yourself healthy, right? And that's important in order to serve Hashem. Okay. So now here's an interesting question. If a person is like very careful to eat really healthy, are they a chacham? No. No. If a person... Oh, we'll get to... We'll talk about it in a second. One. If a person eats things just because they taste good, are they a chacham? No. If a person's really preoccupied with their food in any way, shape, or form, are they a chacham? No. No. Which would be someone who's eating very healthy. Eats healthy within a reasonable thing, right? Because it's a cost benefit. Like I mean, like like there's something in economics called called, uh, called opportunity cost, right? So like everything I'm doing here takes away from over there, and something's on the margin. You're really not gaining that much. Like to go that extra step of being extra healthy requires me to be more aware of what I'm eating and more devote more time to my food, which is not really what life's about. And you know the, the advantage to my health is minimal. So like it's not the point is the person relates to eating. It's like they relate to like. You know, most people relate to getting their car fixed. Something has to be done within a reasonable level of, you know, you want your car to be, right? You have to have the best mechanic and pay top dollar. Eh, you want to make it work and 
Right? How, how does a chacham dress? You don't go to the mechanic three times a day. Okay, which is why it's much harder to have that, to have that kind of an attitude, right? How does a how does a chacham dress? Like regular, not overly into his clothes, not not into his clothes. Right, right. Chacham's aware that the way your clothes affect you, affect other people, but like that beyond that, it's like doesn't right. And obviously, there's a difference between a man and a woman in this regard. But the point is, a chacham, it's not like there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a, there's a way you act. It's you see the thing for what it is, so you treat it for what it actually is. They're not boring. I know, but they sound kind of passive. Right? Does the rabbi sound like a passive person to you? No. No. What? But like more balanced? Uh, yeah, I have an issue with the word balance, but I get what you mean. Like? Like? Like what? Give me an example. Yeah, but here's the thing. A chacham isn't, isn't a mellow person. A chacham just sees things for what they are. So if something is a genuine tragedy... Right? I just said, you know, clothes are really not that big of a deal. Food is not that big of a deal, right? But like the existence, the purpose of existence is a big deal. Right? You want to hear a good story? What? Not for right now. We'll get, well, I will tell you at some point, but not right now. I mean, I don't like not object to the word. I don't think that's the right description here, but... Um, the you want to hear a good story? Yeah. Okay. So, this is one of these stories which it migrates exactly who it's about. I heard the story originally about a great rabbi named Rabbi Kiva Eger. It makes sense that he was about Rabbi Kiva Eger, but I simply heard the story about other people. But the story goes like this. Okay. So there was a woman whose husband had left Judaism. Rabbi Kiva Eger lived in the late 17, early 1800s um, in Posen. He was a rabbi in Posen. Very great halachic authority, brilliant Talmudic genius. He was someone who was a tzaddik, according to the definition of Tanya. Really? Yes. Tzaddik. The Mittler Rebbe said about him, they met. The Mittler was letters meaning he was very impressed with him. They were very impressed with each other. The Mittler said about him that he has love of God on the level of a tzaddik gomer, of a complete tzaddik, but he's so engrossed in his Torah study he's not even aware of how much he loves God. Okay. Anyway. So Rabbi Kiva Eger, so the story goes like this. Rabbi Kiva Eger, um, was a man, he left Judaism. And um, he left his wife in Aguna. She didn't have a divorce, and she couldn't you know, rebuild her life after that. And this person became some kind of a government minister, and she wanted a divorce, and he wouldn't cooperate. So Rabbi Akiva Eger summoned him to the, to the basin, which was apparently on the second floor of the building. So this man comes, and Rabbi Akiva Eger says that, you know, according to Allah, you need to give your wife a get. And he starts saying, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. And Rabbi Akiva Eger very calmly says, the Torah says that you need to give your wife a get. That's, the, that, that's what the Torah says. Because according to Torah, your wife doesn't have to stay married to you if you've left Judaism. That's, that's not right. And the Torah says that a, a marriage ends in only two ways. Either the husband gives a get or the husband dies. That's what the Mishnah says. And so the man says, are you threatening me? Are you threatening me? I'm a big minister and I have this and I have all these types of different things that can, that can make your life miserable I'll make decrees against the Jews and Rabbi Kiva calmly says I'm not threatening I'm just telling you that, that according to Torah your wife shouldn't have to stay married to you and a marriage only ends through a get or through the death of the husband 
and he said this very calmly, but as they say, very adamantly. So the man gets very upset. And well, no, he didn't drop dead. He stormed out, tripped down the stairs, and broke his neck. Now, so there's the obvious, ooh, miracle story. But that's not the point of the, that's not why I'm telling you the story. Miracle stories are wonderful. Why am I telling you the story? No, he died. He broke his neck. He broke his neck and died. Why am I telling you the story? What does that have anything to do with this here? Because it was, he wasn't like trying to, he was just saying it was obvious. He was like, I'm going to be able to see it. You're going to have to get Yeah, this marriage, I, I see the, oh, I, I see this marriage is ending. God does not want this marriage to continue. It's up to you why we want it to end. Right? Right. It, like, now, not every rabbi has that kind of degree of chokhmah. They can see that the Torah wants this marriage to end. It's going to end one way or the other. It's up to you how you want to do it. Right? Right. But that chokhmah is, is vision. It's being able to see. Right? Some children, right, they see things. I don't mean like they like have fantasies. I mean, like there are children, right? They pick up on stuff. They they, they see things. They appreciate things. It's 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 just deep truths about life. They they see. And some children are babies. Right? And if you know kids, you can see that, right? Um, but then also sometimes we see that experience does that to a person, right? Okay. So now, so 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 if something is so so now if something is wisdom, it's it it it, ha, it 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 there's a truth. That truth is not just, but it's not like intelligence, in the sense that, that truth is obvious, that truth is 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 real, that truth is both simple in its simplicity and nuanced in its nuance, right? And that that's just it's it's self evident to, to to the person. That's wisdom. Yeah. Okay. Right. Generally, now, how do we know that wisdom does now is wisdom another way of describing the self? It, is yeah. the, the, I mean, it works together. The, fine, but is it the same thing? Right? We want to say by Hashem, we saying the self and the wisdom are the same. Is it, well, it has for self. Does that make make sense by a person that saying the self and the wisdom are the same? Okay, but that's the cheap way out. If something that can be tangible, then like you can measure anyone's anything according to that. Right, but I want to. I'm I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying it's a cheap way because you can say, oh, we can talk about anything. It's not the self. But what that does is it shuts your mind off to to think about the thing. In other words, you're saying the self is not wisdom, but what we want to go through is 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 wisdom the self. So let's think about wisdom for a second. Can you gain wisdom through experience? Yes. Even the wisest child will become wiser as they age. Yeah. So what do we see about wisdom? What property does it have? It potential, it fluctuates, it changes, right? Right? I said right, but 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 the reason the, the reason why I'm fleshing this out is I want us to be able to like appreciate it. The one thing the Rambam says is that you can say things and know that they're true, but it's another thing to actually get into the details. If a person has a clear sense of what they mean by wisdom, so number one they say, well, if I can know what it means, and it's not the self, fine. But you can know the other way. The wisdom in the wisdom, it doesn't feel like the self, because the self is unchanging. The self is absolute. The self is not, doesn't become something else over time, right? But wisdom does. Does that make sense? So if wisdom becomes, wisdom develops, right? Either through experience or just merely through age, right? Then that, that, that tells us that, that whatever this is, it isn't the self. Okay? Now, Remember we spoke about Yeshus before? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So the Baal Shem Tov was a wise person. Right? I mean, that's kind of part of being a tzaddik, is really being wise, right? The Baal Shem Tov at one point had his wisdom taken away from him. What? If I remember correctly, the story is that Hash- the Baal Shem Tov had a mikveh built in a certain town where there was some decree in heaven there shouldn't be a mikveh, and so that the women should be able to fill the mitzvah of going to mikveh properly. And um, Baal Shem Tov had his uh, Ruach HaKadosh, his ability to see the, the truth for what it really is taken away from him as a punishment. What? No, it wasn't permanently taken away. But the thing is, why wasn't it permanently taken away? Here's the interesting question. Was the Baal Shem Tov's connection with Hashem dependent on his wisdom? No. No. Is the connection came from his very self. So even when he lost his wisdom, he didn't lose his connection. He didn't lose his devotion, right? And that's why it came back. What would have happened if he lost his wisdom, he had also lost his connection? So would it have come back? Then would have come back. In other words, the Baal Shem Tov, even when, he, when, when the wisdom was taken away, he realized that the wisdom isn't myself. And my connection to myself comes from my very self. And that, that kind of thing is something beyond wisdom. That goes back to the idea of the essence. And so the Baal Shem Tov, because he had that, so it was almost, you could think of like a test, like Avram Avinu had a test. So Shem's almost testing, ah, is your connection to me because you see the truth or is your connection to me because you have something about your very self that binds you to me? So it doesn't sound like to us, right, that the essence, the self is wisdom, right? Okay. So now does it make sense to say that Hashem and his wisdom are one? Now, again, we can say, well, Hashem is magical, so of course no, it's only... No, I'm saying, when you mean wisdom, Hashem, what do you mean? Like, everything's obvious? Like, obviously everything's obvious? Well, what, what, is, what, is, what is obviously true? What is obviously true to a wise person? The truth, right? Not falsehoods, right? Okay, so what is, right, or obviously real, okay? So what is, what is obvious to Hashem? Himself. Uh, so wouldn't he be wise, by kind of, by definition? He be wise by definition, right? In other words, what is Hashem's wisdom? The fact that it is obvious to Hashem. Wait, what? So what you're saying is like, in this case, wisdom. For us, it could be like for people, it's what is truth and what's like real to them. But well, real. If it's right, yeah. yeah. For Hashem, it's, it's Hashem. Well, but, what's real? Hashem is well. Ultimately, ultimately, the deepest truth is that the only thing real is Hashem. And is that, re- is that obviously and true to him? So it's completely aware, yeah. So therefore. Okay. Right? So, in other words, when you think, and this is what I want you to get at, not, ooh, magically, think of what wisdom is in the context of Hashem. You're like, well, I mean, okay, in that sense, it makes a certain amount of sense to say he and his wisdom are one. Right? It doesn't, right? But it's not, it's, I want to be very, I keep emphasizing this, I want to get this, it's very important that we don't just slap on this little sticker, oh, with Hashem it's different. We understand why it would be different. Yeah. If you're saying Hashem is wisdom or one, but we, we just described is how is what Hashem's wisdom is, not necessarily that it's one. Okay, but then we'll, we'll, we can go a little bit deeper, right? So first off, what is his wisdom? His wisdom is that it's obvious. Hashem. Hashem is obviously true. Okay, now here's the thing. If something isn't, if something is not obviously true to you, okay, let's you go back to vision, right? If you can't see something, why can't you see something? 
comes from the kind of blockage, right? Well, is there some kind of thing that separates one part of Hashem from another part of Hashem? I mean, we were saying that Kiva does. That has to do with Hashem's relation of the world. We're going to get to that. Okay. No. Does it make sense to say that there's something, like Hashem has something blocking one part of himself from another part of himself? No. No. Because that would make Hashem into multiple things, right? So it doesn't make sense, right? In other words, me, I might not be aware of like my own motivations. I might not be aware of, you know, it's not be obviously true, but like patterns of behavior. Are you aware of your own patterns of behavior? No. Wise people are, but most of us are not, right? Most of us, people tell us, you realize you're like, you're like you know, you do this a lot. Like, really? I do this a lot? In your mind, every time it happens, it's like the, an unusual circumstance. But it's like, no, it's like every three days it happens. It's pretty regular. Like, really? I never noticed, right? Because like... <laughs> Right? There's a disconnect between us, between us as the observers of reality and us as part of reality. Right? To say that that kind of bifurcation exists in Hashem is ridiculous. Right. Well then, okay, so you can't, so you have to say in some sense, borrowed sense, that the, the truth of what Hashem is is, is is obvious to Hashem. And so I guess that technically, and if, and if he is the ultimate truth of everything, then I guess that by definition makes him wise. Because that's not what wisdom is. Okay. So he and his wisdom are one. But notice what we've done is we've understood wisdom. Wisdom is just another way of describing Hashem. That's what we've done is we've thought about wisdom is. It was a, Which is the same idea of Hashem's essence is also just Hashem. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's why I didn't want you to say, oh, if I can say what it is, then it's not the essence. Because that... Okay. Good? Okay, now let's do will. <laughs> We don't have to. We could skip it. I could just read the text, like you know, in a monotone, if you want. Okay. What is will? Okay. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a little um, thought experiment. Okay. The coffee moved. The reason the coffee moved is because the cup that was holding the coffee moved. The reason why the cup moved is because my hand moved. The reason my hand moved was why. And the reason I wanted it to was? One second. I heard two different answers. The reason I wanted to move my hand to pick up the coffee, the reason I wanted to move my hand was why? What? No, let's go. I, we're all in agreement that my hand moved because I wanted it to move. Why did I want my hand to move? So, but that's not true. This is not true. This is this is a little bit of a sensitive issue. This is not true. Okay. Okay. I mean, because not necessarily do you want coffee. You just want. No. What? Okay. What we're gonna do is we're gonna have two opposite worlds. Okay, or two different worlds. Which mark works better? Purple one works better. We need the purple one. Okay. Okay. In our worlds. Maybe because Hashem. No, no, don't put religious on. Bad for the thinking process. You want to hear a good story? So there's. Um, Rabbi Shemto's father-in-law is the head mashpia in the, the yeshiva in Kfar Chavad. His name is Rabbi Zalman Gopin. 
He's also a wise person. Um, and uh, one time he was giving a class and explaining all the different spiritual levels and Kabbalah and Hasidus and the light and the, the, the vessels and everything. And explaining, and explaining like, in detail how everything works and why every step is needed. So after this hour-long class where he explains the whole thing, each step exactly why it's necessary for you to go from God's essence all the way down to this world and everything. So someone says, well, if it all makes so much sense, well, why do you need a Muna? Why do you need faith? So I'm not going to do an impression of him, but he, as he often does, he doesn't answer right away. Another sign of a wise person. <laughs> they don't often answer right away. And after like a, a, a pregnant pause, he says in Yiddish, which means it could all be otherwise. I explained to you it all makes sense, right? But if you really want to throw a moon into it, God is God. It could all have been different. Everything could have been different. Once you throw God and really God can do anything, what does that do to the thinking? Right. So there's, so Chesedis always has to the thing, is it, what am I doing now? Am I trying to understand the way God has chosen to do something? Or am I trying to relate to Hashem for who really is? And relate to Hashem for who really is, I have to start with thinking He could have done anything. Which means my thoughts, what makes sense, is not even in the equation. Well, why isn't it part of the equation? Uh, it is. Because he wants it to be part of the Why it does things and we really can understand them. So we have to split it in. Why is that the way that was chosen? Like, I don't know. That's, that was the whole point. There's some things you're saying that we're never going to know. There's some things that understanding and explaining isn't the way to relate to them. It's like, it's, like writing, it's, like, it's, like writing, it's like writing a thesis as to why you love your mother is not exactly a way to strengthen your relationship. <laughs> Wrong tool for the rope. I don't uh, think they're completely different. Okay, that's the, uh, I think that's like... <laughs> we're going to get to this. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm laying the groundwork for something. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, we have two worlds. One world at the top and one world at the bottom. We're going to divide our worlds into three things. Okay. Desire. In world number one, I, I pick up the coffee, right? Or I move my hand, right? And in that world, I desire a drink. Good? Okay. In world number two, I also desire a drink. But I don't pick up the cup. Now, there's a basic rule of causality, okay? When we say that A is because of B, what does it mean that A is because of B? That means if you didn't have B, you wouldn't have A, right? So if I say the marker is in the air in this place because my hand is holding it up, the way to test that is, I move my hand, the marker stays, and that wasn't the reason. Right? Got it? Yeah. Okay. So, in the world that I asked you about, I pick up the cup and you say, why? Well, I said, no, everyone said something. Why, did, why does my hand pick up the cup? Because I want Guys, now you're changing what you said. You originally just said because I, I said the coffee moves because the cup moved. The cup moves because my hand moved. My hand moves because I wanted it to move, right? That's what we said, right? 
okay? I wanted to move my hand, right? We'll just leave one, okay? And then I said, why do I want? And you say, well, because I have a desire to drink, right? The problem is, are there situations where I have a desire to drink and I don't end up picking up the cup? Yes. yes. So that means this arrow is false, right? That a desire to drink is not the cause of the want, because if the desire to drink is not the cause of the want, then, every, it was desire, then, every, then this could never happen. So it, right? So it's the desire to pick up the cup? So, I, here, so here, what we have is that we have like this. Why did I pick up the cup? Because I want to. Why do I want to? It's not because I desire to drink. Because there are times where I desire to drink. And you won't. And I don't pick up the cup. Well, sometimes you want to pick up the cup and you still don't pick up the cup. Yes, well, that's what we have to get into exactly what we mean by this thing. You just said that's not true. Sometimes what? it is. No, there's never. So now we have to be technical. What, what, I don't like this word want because it's vague and it's misleading. So we're going to not use this word want. Okay? Okay. We're going to use the word rutsa, but we're going to translate it into English. It's not the same word. You know why? There's an English song, we want Mashiach now, we yeah. want Mashiach now, we want Mashiach now. You know, why is the song in English? Why is it in English? You can't say it in Hebrew. Because you can't say that in Hebrew. Oh. Why? What does the word want mean? Desire. It means desire and lack. Lack? Lack? Mm-hmm. In fact, it originally meant lack. Oh, wow. Mentioning lack, right? So way back in the day, you say that this person is found wanting. Yes. It means they lack something. Now, if you are, if you want for food, meaning you lack food, right? You, you want, you gotta lack. No, no, no. It's the other way around. The, the word shifted. The word originally meant that you're lacking something. Now, when you're lacking something, that usually cause a desire. I mean, I'm avoiding using the word want. If you lack something, so you lack food. What is that causing you? Oh, very good. So the Rebbe said, why do we sing it in English? Because, yes, there says, we lack Mashiach, and that's why we desire Mashiach, right? Now the thing is, the Hebrew word reitze, or rotson, does not have any connotation of lack. It doesn't mean lack. Oh, so you're saying it doesn't describe it. It doesn't, right, right. If you wanted to say, we want Mashiach now, with the entire depth of what that means in Hebrew, you would have to make it into a much more longer, longer sentence. You would have to oh, say, Anachnu chaserim Mashiach, ulechen ulechen mishtokakim elav achshav. Shiyavo achshav. We have to say something like that, and which is like... How do you say need in Hebrew? Why don't we say we need Mashiach? What's wrong with that? What? Zakuk. Because in the, that song, there is a song. Zakuk is a good one. What? What? There is a song about one needing Mashiach, but we say Zakuk. Yeah, Zakuk is, is right. Zakuk Why is right. Why do we just say we need Mashiach now? Because Zakuk doesn't have the implication of desire. That want does. Want. Look, this is the. There isn't a word in Hebrew. There is not a single word in Hebrew that that means I lack, therefore I strongly desire. That is. That's what the word. You go to him and says, you know, you really need to get your act together. Because I'm lacking in my act. That's right, but that doesn't mean you desire to get your act together, does it? It means he desires it for me. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you desire it. 
Want is a very, languages have words. When we say people want, when you say I want something. That's very true, Jamie, though, because in the origin of the word, the way that you were describing, yeah. like, the way that people would have used it in the past would have been other people describing it unless they wanted it, in which case they would have used the word want differently. Right. Which is how it manifested. Right. Why, would, like, why would the Hebrew word of want, which is ratzah, not mean also that? Because, it, because that's not how the word comes from. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little detour. Okay? We're because talk generally about when you want something, it's because you don't have it. Right. So but you're going to see there's an obvious problem. Does Hashem have a ratzah? No, Hashem doesn't have a left. But he oh, does have a ratzah. Okay, so we're going to have to think about what ratzah means. Oh, ratzah I'm is very it? stressed out. I'm very stressed out. Okay, so let us, let us, <laughs> I'll erase this and I'll come back to Why? Well, I actually think it's a very... Okay. No, no, we're going to use it. I'm just, I want to talk to Okay. 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 I'm going to start with two simple words, okay? There's lack, and there's the word run. Wait, why can't you say that Hashem is lacking when it comes to, like, in terms of what I do? Because Hashem is really, like, how it meant, like... If you want me to, if you, look. If you want to understand, let me go in order. We're going to go okay. from the simple to yeah. the complex. We're going to start with two English words. Okay. Lack and run. run. Good? Okay. okay? Yeah. Okay. Now, do those words mean the same thing? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Now, how do you say, how do you say run in Hebrew? La roots, right? How do you say lack in way, way back English? In English? Want. Really, what English? What? What English? Well, kind of prejudice in the whole sentence. I'm surprised that you guys aren't educated, but okay. <laughs> Did anyone in this room know that one used to mean that? Yes. Yes. I knew it. How did you guys know that? That's not Shakespeare English. That's English that they were speaking like a hundred years ago still. Yeah. It's still yeah. even a really formal English. You can still use it yeah, nowadays we're that way. Uneducated human, it's fine. Let's move it's on. okay. All right. So, want, black. Okay. Now we have this other word. Okay. Now we have this other word. We're gonna say we're gonna use this word desire. Um, actually, I don't want to use the word desire. I knew it. Kidding. I do know. Okay. Because we all believe that you did first. <laughs> Okay, so desire. Actually, you know what? I don't want to use the word desire. That's too good, because I don't see where it fits in. Oh, you use this other word. Donate. We're going to use this word connection. Okay, it's also for love. Love it. Yes. Connection shows up a lot. Okay. Now, one of the things that happens to many words is that they shift their meaning, okay? So let me use some examples. For instance, you've heard of the word happy. Yeah. Okay. No, it's an easy. Happy, happy comes from the old English word hap. Hap meant a good thing occurring to you, which becomes the or- origin of the word happenstance. Happen, and then when the opposite of that occurs, we call that a mishap. And therefore, the feeling that that brings about in a person is known as happy. 
Okay? But it went from the event to a feeling. Okay? Okay? Frustrate. Right? Right? If I'm trying to get through the door and the door won't open, the door is frustrating me. It is obstructing me, preventing me from getting through, which that feeling that it causes we now call... Right? So there's a tendency for words that describe facts to then move to describing... Feelings. Okay? If you spin around and it causes you to vomit, right? That spinning, right, is nauseating. What does it mean that it's nauseating? It causes you to vomit. The feeling that I feel like I have to vomit, we now call? Right, see how this works? Right, this is how words, words change their meaning in languages as people speak. So this word for lack, okay, want, right, shifted to being another word, right, where how do you feel about something that you lack? You have a desire for it, right? So want goes from being describing the lack in the person to, which is the objective fact, right, I'm lacking food, to the desire for the thing that I'm lacking. And at that point, you have a a sense of threat. In other words, if I am lacking food, like I don't experience any connection to food. But as a result of that lack, I develop a desire for food. Now I feel kind of connected to food, right? And think about it, right? When you're lacking food and you desire food, right? What happens to your mind? Your mind gets glued on food, right? And the longer that goes on, the more that stronger that connection becomes. And if someone brings in some food, your mind goes zooms to where the food is, right? Yeah. Okay, so desire is a kind of connection, but what we mean here by wanting is desire that comes from a feeling of lack. Good? That make sense? Okay, so strictly speaking, and I'm not saying you have to go correct everybody in the universe, but if you want to really understand what Dr. was saying, we do have to be a little precise in our terminology. Strictly speaking, does Hashem want anything? No. no. Because there's no notion of Hashem lacking that develops desire. Good? Okay. Okay. Now, there's another word, to run. Okay? What does it mean to run? To move quickly from one place to another. quickly from one place to another. Okay? So when I'm not, right, if, I, if something is very far away from me, right, and I just stay over here, well, then it's distant from me, right? We don't really connect it, right? Mm-hmm. But if I run towards it, that's a kind of? Connection. Okay. So what do we call it when, for some reason, I am not physically running towards something, but mentally my mind is rushing towards something. It becomes hyper-focused on something. It shifts in that direction. Yeah. We need it, we write, in other words, my, 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 one second. Well, I mean, it depends whether you're supposed to be focused on something else. But when you're, when your self, instead of being disconnected from something, experiences some kind of an attachment, some of connection to something, right, that concept is loosely called the soul running towards it. Mm-hmm. Not because the soul is a physical object running, but in a similar way. I can stand here and there's something far away, right? But metaphorically, right, the soul is alone, it's isolated, it's, it's, it's transcendent, it's whatever. The self is detached, okay, removed. And all of a sudden, the soul establishes a connection with something else. It, so to speak, reaches out and says, this interests me, this matters to me, this I have a connection to. What is that initial reaching out? That is the soul, so to speak, running out of itself. Okay, so what do you call that? Mm-hmm. Running? Rutsum. 
or known in English as will. Now, there is a difference between these two things. There's a similarity, which is they're both experiences of feeling connected to something. But there's a very big difference. Will is what? Is the soul? Okay, so now, what? There's no lack. There's not, there's not necessarily a lack involved. Okay? How is will connection? To what? How is will connection? Because when you have a will for something, you feel that will is, you, that is the initial state of having connection to something else. So for instance, okay? Um, you ever heard the question of why should I care? Mm -hmm. Okay. And what's the answer? Yeah, but no, you're always going to run into a problem because why should I care? 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 Whatever you're going to answer, you're going to come back to it, but why should I care about that? Why should I care about that? So what's the answer? Why should I care? Writ large. The answer is, the answer is there never can be a why I should care. The answer is I either do care or I don't care. And if I do care, where did that come from? That caring, that interest, that connection is just an exercise of will. The soul either has to decide to care or not. And what's interesting is that you can't actually have this without this, right? So if I'm lacking food, but I don't care whether I'm lacking food or not, I'll never develop a desire. Okay? So this, is, this idea is there's a power that the soul has to run out of itself and say, this matters. This I care about. To exercise its authority, to establish a connection, to say this, this is how it ought to be. That the soul is basically a little king and can make decrees, and that's its will, right? And why does it do it? Because it's, right? if, you, if you're going to go back and say, right, and one of the things about will, right, think about it in our own lives. When we say that I have will, right, there's a sense of autonomy, there's a sense of power in that, right? That's not the same thing as what's going on here. So we have to differentiate these two things, especially if we want to talk about Hashem. Does Hashem have lacks that develop desires? No. But does Hashem have will in the fact that he says, this matters? Yeah, because Hashem's not lacking. Okay. So now can we go back to my cup of coffee? Can I have a question? Sorry, I don't understand how that translates for people. We're going to go back to people. We're saying that the, the will, there's no lacking. But the thing is, with will, something outside is satisfying the will. Meaning that you, can't, you don't have to call it a lack, but there's still something that That's you don't have. I know, I know. We're going to go back. In terms of like the English language of words, I get how this works. But in terms of like the actual experience, how would you have a will without a desire for anything or something? Or a lack of something? Right. We're going we're gonna to go. We're gonna, so let's... let's what? Okay, so we have action. Desire. We have desire. Okay, so the desire is, I want a drink. Which in both scenarios, I feel lack of coffee, which develops a desire for coffee. But in one scenario, I pick up the cup, And the other one, I don't pick up the cup. <laughs> so 
what goes here? So you're saying on the first one it would be rectum? Right, so that, no, so we say this. Here we have you will. Your rectum, and the other one you didn't exert your power And the other one is like black, which equals desire. So, now, here's this, you ever heard the notion we have what's called free will? Yeah. Free will means that regardless of whatever the step was before, that does not di dictate whether there will be a will. What dictates whether there will be a will is an act of will. Like the soul itself decides. So, free will means that regardless of what the step before was, that does not cause the will. So I have a desire for a cup of coffee. Does that desire cause me to have the will to move my arm? And the answer is no. My soul decides whether there will be a will to move my arm. That's what's, right? This is why, for instance, okay, whether or not I pick up the cup of coffee is not to say, well, that's because I had a desire. That's because I, we got the nice word for this in English, I chose to pick up the cup of coffee. What does that mean, I chose to pick up the cup of coffee? I willed it when I could have, regardless of the fact that either way I had the desire. So the soul, what the soul is doing. Am I lacking in both? In this case, I'm lacking cough coffee, right? I'm lacking yeah, drink. So. Okay. So there's an act of will, which is fairly obvious, which is the act of will to go from desire to action. Okay. Yes. Right. The fact that you have this option is something that is unique to you as a human being. Animals don't have this. Okay. And this becomes a little bit clearer if we now take something else. Right. Let's say. I have a desire to hurt someone. And then I have an action. And in this action, I hit them. And in this action, I don't hit them. So when someone says, I hit them because I had a desire to hurt them, that's not correct. Why is that not correct? Because Just because you had a desire to hurt them didn't mean you have to hit them. It's not, it's not the whole picture, but it's not not so, part of so, the picture. So, if you, if you want to understand what we mean by chassidus ratzen is, you actually have to say it's not part of the picture at all. That doesn't make, this doesn't make sense. Why? <laughs> because... When you have the desire to hurt someone, like, does that mean you want to hurt someone? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can put the word okay, want so here. I want to hurt someone. But does that mean you're going to? will. But that's the difference between wanting and willing. No, but also I know the difference between right and wrong. So sometimes I'm really pissed off at someone and I want to hurt them. I definitely have the will. I can... No, 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 no. But I'm not no, 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 no. The, the way you know you had the will is because you did it. These are linked. If you have the will, you do it. The only way that ever happens so that you if you... you don't give the will until the action? You, no, you, don't, you don't have the will until the action. In other words, it's a very simple thing, yeah? Everyone take their hand and put it on the table. Okay? Imagine moving your hand. Don't move it. Imagine it. Picture what it'll be like. Think about how you'd like to move it. Does the hand move? No. Okay, at some point, up to you, decide to move it. And it moves, right? So that's a separate thing. Right. So will okay. directly ties to action. Will directly ties to action. Always. And desire. Doesn't. That's right. By the way, by the way, I can also reverse this. I can reverse this. Let's say, let's say. You don't want to hit somebody, so you 
I don't want to hurt someone. Could I still do it anyway? Even if you don't want to? Yeah. Yes. So that means what's happening desire has no causal bearing on my action. It's simply my will. Right? Desire does have like no connection to your action. Is that everywhere that's in this context? No, desire does have connection to action. If not you have If you have okay. but basically it doesn't have But there's a middle there's a middleman. Yeah, but the middleman connects to the action. Okay. The middleman is Okay, but now we can go. Okay, so then how, how does it work when we connect to God and things like that? One second. You're gonna tell me that like has nothing to do with it, then like... No, 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 but, but then we can do the next thing, okay. But sometimes you have the will and you don't do the action. Okay, so here's the rule about will. Okay. Oh, wrong. We learned that the, the way we define will, there needs to be an action. Okay, okay. I want to make my hands and I have to do Wait, 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 wait. Okay? This is the self. Okay? This is the metaphoric barrier between the self and everything that isn't the self. So what are things that are not the self? Well, yes. action is not the self, right? Right. right. Are feelings the self? No. Goals? No. Right? <laughs> No, oh, I really don't know anything anymore because you talk about the stuff, but now I'm like, yes. Your children, are they yourself? No. No. Okay. That's what they were wanting. Can you say they're a manifestation of that? Wait, 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 wait. Any other things that are not yourself, right? Yeah. Um, things, what about things that Your you're toys. Why is that? I'm just picking random stuff. I'm sorry, I know we've talked about this, but why is action not yourself? When I speak, that's an action. That's myself, that's my voice. No. <laughs> I was like, if you didn't speak, would you still be you? What about things that you're So then it's not yourself. What about things that you're good at and things that you're bad at? No, so not yourself. If I didn't have my children, then they wouldn't be my children. Yeah. You have to do but, what exactly what um, Robert Kaufman did. If you wouldn't have the things that are bad. Any of these things, would you still be you? If I didn't give birth to my child, I, I don't know. Would you still be you? If I didn't give birth to my yes. child, Well, here's an interesting question. When you What's do give birth, will you become someone else that you were never before? <laughs> no, you're the same person. No, my You may not feel the same way. <laughs> Okay. So. Okay. Do you see? A, do you see? A, okay. So there is this metaphoric barrier between the self and everything that isn't the self. Yeah. Okay. So what happens if the self? I think is self other than your physical body, then. No. Not okay. and your soul, whatever. You are Your body's also not yourself. So now. Very good. Very good. Okay. Whatever. Okay. So now, here's the problem. I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question. If you understand what it means that Hashem has a will, then you have to pay attention. Hashem doesn't want things. Hashem's like, oh, I really want you to put on this film. Like, Hashem is not like an old man in the sky who's bored and wants people to wrap leather straps in their arms. Like, that's ridiculous, okay? He knows that we need to put on film, not we. Is the self trapped? It's a yes or no question. Yeah, I'm asking you, can the self break out of this little, you know, barrier? No. Yeah. Sure it can. Yeah, okay. that's the whole time we said. Sure it can. Right? The self can establish a connection. Yeah. 
with so goals, right? Things, but those things can't do something. It can, it can do some actions. It can establish connections with feelings, right? It can, wow. right? It can make all of these, it can break through and develop these different, right? And what determines whether it breaks those and makes those little channels? Yes, what determines it? The self determines that. So what determines whether your self has a connection with your body? Well, yourself. yourself no. What determines whether your self has a connection with your children? Yourself. 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 yourself determines whether you have a connection with any of these other things, right? This channel of connection, by the way, the interesting, the word Ratzon also means the word sinner, which means a pipe, right? Is the self running out of its own box and saying, I'm going to establish a channel of connection with this. I'm going to establish a channel of connection with that. And that's what needs to happen between me feeling like I want a cup of coffee and me actually picking up the cup of coffee because they're not the same thing. The will that connects me to the feeling is not the will that connects me to the action. Right. So every time the self establishes a connection with anything else, that's up to the self to decide. And that's, that, that ability is called the willpower and the connect, channel connection is called will. And that's the soul running out towards this other thing is like, we're gonna have a connection. And so, well, it's arguably, it's entirely within your control. Okay, but the, the, the term of self, yes, but I don't know what myself is. Oh, so right, this is no. the problem, right? This goes to my problem, this goes into the problem, right? If we don't even know ourselves. This is the problem. If you don't know yourself, then you surprise yourself all the time because, like, you do stuff. Like, why did I do that? Because apparently you willed it, even though it doesn't fit with your self-image. That yeshus. Right? I'm sorry, but we don't know anything about ourselves. We know some things about ourselves. But a lot of that stuff can be made up. Then that's true. This is a problem. So we lie to ourselves. Right. That's the yeshus. That's the yeshus. That's, part. that's so the problem. What do we really know about ourselves. Right. This is the, the the reason why we feel like this is not in our control is because because. For instance, yeah, it's for, not you, the whole idea of free will just shifted according to this. A lot of free will isn't consciously forethought. Right. It's not even subconscious because it's not about that. Right, about right, right, right. Now, sometimes we like are aware of the fact that we can feel the willpower, we can feel the decision making happening, and sometimes we can't, but yeah. So now, what is, so this little thing here, this is called Ratsun. That's what those little things are. The channels? Those channels are called? They're also called Ratsun in Hebrew, like actually? Yeah. Why is your soul in your body? Because the soul decided to establish a connection. In your body. Why is your soul care about whatever it cares about? Because it decided to establish a connection with? Why does your soul act the way it acts? Because it decided to establish a connection with those actions. That the soul deciding to establish a connection, it running out of itself, it reaching out of itself, establishing a channel of connection as a pure act of will, pure act of, of autonomy, that's Ratzon. It's not the same thing as I'm hungry so I want food. And then you only see the Ratzon in the action? And it's, therefore, you never, therefore Ratzon is something that's very hard to, you almost never experience Ratzon, you only infer Ratzon. It's very rare to directly experience Ratzon. I really, really am caught up with a certain goal, I must have a Ratzon for it. I keep doing these actions, I did this action, I must have had a Ratzon for it, right? My soul isn't like leaving my body, it must have a Ratzon for my body. Ratzon is almost always inferred and never directly experienced. Okay, when do we directly experience Ratzon? 
The, I'll give you the common way. There's an uncommon way, but we're not going to talk about it because it's not really relevant. The common way is when there's a lot, when the Rutzen faces a lot of friction. For well, instance, what to do? What to attach up to? No. For instance, like the self establishes a connection with doing an action, like say picking something up, but the thing is much heavier than the body is used to picking up. So when you want to lift your hand, you can't. What? When you want to lift your hand, but it's like really hard to do. When you lift your hand, when you lift your hand, when you, it's really hard to do. When you're lifting something heavy, right? In other words, when, when any of these things are pushing against the ruts, and you can kind of feel, the, right? Think about it in life, right? Like, when do you feel willpower? If you're studying something that the topic just sucks you in, do you feel the willpower? No. But if the topic keeps pushing you out, you then you have to you feel the willpower. But that's so you experience that, right? Right. Okay. You, right. So you can feel the will. Generally, we only feel the we infer the will by thinking about it. But to feel the will, generally, we feel it when it's getting pushed back. Because the will, unlike wisdom, isn't this concrete thing. Wisdom, we could talk and describe. You know what we're having a hard time talking about? Will. Because will isn't the thing like wisdom is. Will is simply the fact that the self reaches out and says, I'm connected to this. I'm invested in this. This matters. I'm going to make this happen. Yeah, but if it's not something that I'm consciously or like even have any choice in or any of these things, like it's really just, I don't have free will because it's not mine. Or maybe, I mean, it's or, my neshamas, but it's not mine because I don't really experience my like neshama really. Which is why some, well, this is a discussion we're not going to have right now, but this is why some people, like say the Rambam, are of the opinion that many people don't really have so much free will because they're not really living from a place of self. Now, Hasidus would argue that that's not really true for reasons I don't want to get into. Um, but I would amend what you're saying is that what we experience as decision making is like the tip of the iceberg of what free will really is. And we often live a lot of delusions about ourselves. So. But we're going to leave that for another time because we're only bringing this up now as an analogy. Okay. Okay. So now, just I want to I want to end the class on this point. Okay. So what does it mean that Hashem has will? That means that Hashem is sitting there desiring me to like put on tefillin or for you to light a Shabbos candle. Is that what no. it means? No, he's creating both channels. There's a channel, right, between Hashem and what? Yeah, with Hashem and right. There's a channel that directly connects Hashem to my action. So that if I connect to my action, then it's just kind of. But that's specific action. So Rutzen is like a very different thing. Rutzen is this this self reaching beyond itself and establishing connection. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? So we say, you know, you should do a mitzvah because it's Hashem's rutzah. What does that mean? It means you should do Hashem a favor because he's sitting up in the sky. It's like, please, no. please, 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 please. That's like, the whole idea about Hashem and Right. Okay. But now we have to ask ourselves, is the rutzah the same thing as Hashem? Do that idea? No. No. Then we're going to leave question. Is the rutzah the same thing as Hashem? No. Is the rutzen the same thing as the self? It's not, no, because no, your desire is not necessarily the same thing as yourself, but it is something that's connected to it. But, but, but remember what the Altar said, is that the Torah is Hashem's rutzen, and the rutzen and Hashem is okay, one. so in that case, then yes. 
Well, in that case, we have to do some explaining because this the way I've explained it, the rutzen isn't the so self. Then it works differently. So what we're gonna do is tomorrow we will summarize all of this and then we'll highlight the question. But we have not we are left with the question. Rutzen, the way I've described it, is not the same thing as just talking about the self. Because right. the self was in the box and rutzen is what? Is going, is going out of that box, channeling out of that box, running out of that box. How is that the same thing? The rutsen is the self running out beyond itself. That's not, the rutsen isn't the self. So seemingly we've got a problem. I don't want to make it more complicated. It's complicated enough. Or, you know, it is fair to describe it as a metaphor. as like Hashem is sitting up in heaven and like, you know, really, really wants you to put on tefillin and light Shabbos candles and go to make a film, keep Shabbos, keep kosher. And if like that metaphor works for you, then that's great. You know what the great thing about metaphors is? They work. But the bad things about metaphors? <laughs>